Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Technology and Tangents with the Castle Technology Partners. I'm your host today, Joshua Brown, joined by Kate Wagner and our special guest, Mr. Joshua Bruton from B3 Cyber. This is episode three, and we will be talking about PCI compliance. But to start us off, uh, Josh Bruton, will you mind giving the audience a little backstory on who you are and what B3 Cyber, uh, what the, what it means and what that company's functions are? Yeah, sure. Um, first off, Kate, Josh, thanks for having me here today. Um, my name is Josh Bruton. I'm actually uh, one of the owners and founders of B3 Cyber. We specialize in cybersecurity assessments for various frameworks from PCI to HIPAA to various NIST standards, and we help small emerging businesses up to full-size enterprises get compliant and remain secure within their organizations. What is the uh, geographic area that your business covers? We uh, specialize in actually providing remote services to uh, different organizations because we see the need for uh, increased dispersed workforce. So we've actually geared our uh, implementation strategies towards supporting that uh, remote framework. So in, in correlation, uh, Kate and Josh, you can both jump in at any time. Uh, where uh, Where's the difference between the services that Castle Technology Partner offers and the services that B3 Cyber offer? That's a really great question, Josh. Um, so Castle is focused on the day-to-day supporting of the company um, with technology needs from computer support, servers, networking, uh, firewalls, things like that. Um, when it comes to if you guys are in a breach or if there's some heavy, intense penetration testing that's needed or any kind of um, like red team, blue team hacking kind of thing that needs to be done, that is something that we would refer out to someone like B3 in order to help us with that. Um, cybersecurity is obviously such a big, important uh, field that it's it's kind of a uh, niche where you need to be really, really certified in, in doing that, knowing what you're talking about. Um, so we, we'd like to call in experts for that if there's any issues. Yeah, and um, just to kind of touch on that, we also provide that uh, independent third-party assessment, kind of keep everybody honest. We want to make sure that not only are uh, entities that are MSPs, you know, providing services they say they are providing and doing it to the level that they want to, but if there's something that uh, a gap was missed or a control wasn't implemented how we thought it was going to be, we want to make sure that we're there to help uh, build and, and ensure security for those organizations because at the end of the day, that's what the ultimate goal is. So we just are a helping hand to help further the expertise that's usually on staff that's already on ground. Awesome, awesome. Because, you know, a, a, a way I look at our relationship between Castle Technology Partners and B3 Cyber uh, as we're going in there as the first line of defense providing these services. And, you know, everyone in the information technology industry always preach uh, it's a zero trust environment. So the way we make sure for our clients and our prospective clients that we're doing right by them is by partnering with someone who, who they're not entitled, they don't owe anything to us, and they can audit us and make sure that our clients know that we're giving them the best service. Absolutely. Kind of like you go to a general practitioner to get your overall, you know, your wellness checks, things like that, make sure that you're okay. But 
you have cancer or something like that, you're going to go to an oncologist for it. Or if you need surgery, you're going to go to a surgeon for it. You're not going to have your GP cut you open on the table right there. So um, we like to partner with B3 on on those kinds of things. And for clients who need that extra cybersecurity um, compliance or protection, uh, we'd love to reach out to uh, Josh and his team for that. Awesome. Awesome. So today's topic is uh, PCI uh, compliance. And, and we're going to dive into uh, what is PCI compliance. Uh, it, PCI, it stands for Payment Card Industry uh, Compliance. So this is uh, mandated by your credit card companies to help ensure the security of your credit card transactions in the payment histories for your businesses. So if, as you go into restaurants or you know, any place of, of business where you're, you're making a payment with your credit card, um, these businesses have to adhere uh, to certain uh, compliances. So we're going to dive into what those compliances are and what they look like and how do you make sure as a business owner that you are compliant. Uh, and the first the first uh, area that we want to talk about, uh, and we're going to make sure that we use uh, the correct terminology so it's not uh, like an information overload because we want to make sure we educate you all very well, uh, is network segmentation. So, Kate, do you want to explain to our listeners uh, what network segmentation is? Right in the middle as he's talking, <laughs> staring at him. Oh, Kate gets get Kate gets a gulp of water. <laughs> it's just you start saying something. I'm just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like click the table. And yeah, so network segmentation is extremely important for things. If you have like a guest Wi-Fi, um, if you need to split out your network from like a tenant network, if you guys are sharing the same internet connection. Um, it's also very important though for PCI compliance with credit card devices, uh, specific, specifically ones that are on the network, um, which means that they're going to have an ethernet cable uh, connected to them. They have an IP address um, and it's not an analog connection that is uh, tied to like a telephone line. It's not the one that's necessarily going to be plugged into like your phone. Um, so I need to start over. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting too techie. I need to. Okay. It's hard to not dive <laughs> just straight into so, it. Yeah. Okay. And, and when I, and when I when I when I when I bring about him asking you this question, Kate, um, you can just start at like like the beginning of, you know, the network actually coming in. I know there's like a, a plumbing analogy that's usually used <laughs> sometimes on this. I almost don't want this to be the first topic of the conversation. Doesn't I know that sounds be. I know that sounds bad, but it's so. What like about segmenting it, it with, we have to scope the environment. So it's all about reducing scope to the mm-hmm. smallest amount possible. So what about kind of starting it off with that and saying, hey, you know, instead of everything at your, you know, office or being, you know, being required to be in compliance, you know, the goal is to segment and get this as small as we can and, and have it smaller 
hence VLANs and stuff like that. And then you can kind of segue into that because to me, if I'm looking at it, that's the biggest thing about segmenting these off is we don't want the whole thing in scope. We want this thing as small as possible. So we have three devices and that's all we're worried about PCI for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if we're able to say, hey, it's all about small, 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 not everything has to be, because I know that's the one of the big questions I get is normally is, well, what's in scope? Like, well, what what do I have? Is my whole company in? No, 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 no. We don't want to do the whole company. We want to do very as, as small as scope as we can. Mm -hmm. So I think it like clarifying that from the beginning. So instead of saying, hey, on the back end, oh, okay, this only applies to two or three things, not everything. Yeah, I so. like that. And the plumbing analogy is, which like we came up with yesterday, I like to use the, like a water hose where like when you do segmentation for networks, you have like just clear water coming out. That's everything is all mixed together. As you start partitioning that water hose, you have like blue water coming out or green water. Like they, the colors aren't mixing together. So Jeff was like, that's dumb. <laughs> and said <laughs> it like, if you do uh, like a house, like your pipes are coming into different things. So like your kitchen sink, like when you turn the water on, it's coming from one pipe. And then you have your bathroom or whatever to like explain in a layman's term kind of way. Yeah, you have your water main into the house, which mm -hmm. is your main. Then it hits your your junction, and then that junction is our firewall or router, and that splits off and where it needs to go, and then goes yeah. traffic that way. Yeah. yeah, so it's split. Yeah. Um. So instead of our whole house being in scope, we only have one room. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, that's true. But what I was saying though is, I feel like we need to ease into the topic with a different. Like, if we talk about the Restr physical, restricting the, uh, the physical, physical, you know what I mean? Like, you see it. Let's talk about mm -hmm. the physical. Like, you need to make sure that your data closet doesn't, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Your device, uh, like the portal access, that if people have portal access to it to log in and like actually process manual transactions, like only those people have that thing. And then we can transition into, I mean, we could do network first. I just feel like. So it's it's very uh like up here yeah. yeah it's not so i think the best thing for us to do um is just to have the conversations R try your best to reframe as though that you're overtly correcting someone yeah and just have the conversations because what y'all just said was perfect podcast material even the way that you just said it and that's what's going to bring people. It's because we're awesome. Uh, uh, we click. Okay, you got two. <laughs> you got two. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so if you want to start with off with the hardware, you know, uh, looking at PCI compliance, um, and let's, let's, let's just start from the beginning. Let's start talking about what, what you actually see. And, and and like I just explained, it is the, the credit card actual processor itself, that piece of hardware. So, and, and inside that hardware, of course, is some software. So let's, let's just go over what are the best practices for a business owner uh, when, they, when they're implementing and, or they have their, their hardware for their credit card processor. So... You know, there, there's a handful of things you have to consider, right? And so we all know when we walk into the stores, we see the little the, the uh, point of sale device is where you slide your card, you enter your keypad, you can, you know, swipe, whatever you're going to do with it. That's usually the biggest point of interaction that consumers have and merchants have. And so 
we want to make sure that that is a secure point because that is where we are doing all of our transactions. And so what we want to do is we want to ensure that we know where our devices are is a big one, is what devices do we have? We can't secure anything if we don't know about it. So generally, that's what I what will walk down the road for us is what do we have? Once we go to what do we have is who has access to it. Great. We have all of our customers coming in and they can swipe and 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 purchase and do it. That's all great. But who from our employee base has access to these devices and who's ensuring that they are secured and nobody's installing malicious components on top of to, uh, you know, like swipers or skimmers, um, who's doing these kinds of checks. So that's another big part of it. Um, a lot of the other ones are dealing with the, um, the Apple, the not Apple, the, Square devices. So that's another PCI type uh, piece of hardware. So we want to ensure that same basic rules apply. We know what we have. We know who has access to it and who are performing the basic checks and functions to these. So going into the the hardware and software best practices, we're talking about uh, right off the back, I'm hearing restricted access to it. Yep. So from the accounting standpoint for whoever's doing the billing or the reconciling, if you have a payment portal that you log into or if you're even able to do like manual credit card transactions where you can type the, the number in, limiting the access on who is able to do that, but also making sure that each person has their own login for it. So that way you can go back and track and see, okay, well, this person logged in at this time and this is what they did, um, making sure that those uh, passwords are extremely secure and you have multi-factor authentication set up on that account. Um, all of those kinds of basic things when we think about uh, cybersecurity um, from that standpoint, but it's extremely important important for your credit card processing as well. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's one of those things that uh, we, we kind of tend to overlook a lot of times is, um, is it's called non-repudiation and it's it's making sure that if somebody does something in our network or with our secure data in this point of view credit cards or the information associated that we're able to pinpoint who did what and when they did it that is a huge uh, point in it for cybersecurity and for additional um, information gathering after the fact so that we can actually put together if something happens who did it why it happened and how do we prevent these kinds of actions from happening again because nobody's perfect no environment is perfect we try to lessen the risk as much as we can and then that's how we get better and grow in the industry is by doing those uh, uh, after action type uh, follow ups. But it all kind of starts with those basics of who did what and where did they do it. And the best way of, of you know, of going back to this point uh, of restricting the access, the best way of monitoring this is by having those unique usernames and those unique passwords. Josh Brown should not be using Kate Wagner's. Uh, credentials to to access that that payment process you know because now there, there's contamination there, and then what if i've done something that was wrong it looks like kate's doing it or, or josh bruden uh, so these are these are areas that in your in your place of business you want to make sure whoever that you have access to uh, these payment processors, according to PCI compliance, that they also have their own unique usernames and passwords. Uh, now, Kate, I know you had uh, briefly mentioned uh, before about the the physical access to like the the data closet. 
So when we start talking about network segmentation and making sure that these devices are on their own network, um, all of that is going to come from your equipment that you have, your infrastructure, your switch, your firewall, whatever is doing the routing um, for your business and assigning those IP addresses down. So limiting the physical access to be able to get into that room to potentially be able to do anything or um, even making sure that you have your guest Wi-Fi separate from your um, business's Wi-Fi so that way I can't gain access to everything that's on your network if I just connect to your guest Wi-Fi is kind of what we're talking about there just to be able to get in and make any changes. Um, when we talk about network segmentation, the a really good analogy that we kind of came up with for this to discuss with our clients is um, plumbing for your house. So, and, and Josh, I feel like you said this perfectly earlier, if you would like to go through. Yeah, sure. Um, so really when we look at PCI, right, we're looking at um, information in our network is, is kind of like coming from a water main from, from the main. And so all your water to your house is being plumbed into you in by this one, um, one location. And so as we get to our house, it hits our junction. And what that junction usually looks like in our network is either a firewall, it's most likely going to be a firewall or a switch, whatever it's going to be at that point. And then from there, we can dictate our information flow. And in this point, this juncture is going to be uh, PCI data or credit card data. And so instead of sending that, that data to every room, every faucet, every, everything in the house, we're going, you know what? No, we want this to go to this bathroom. This mm -hmm. is where we're sending all of our data so that when it comes to these security standards, we don't have to make sure the whole house is secure because it's not going to all these different rooms. It's going to that one bathroom. So we have to focus on securing that one bathroom. So really, we, we are looking at that control, is that control of flow of our critical assets, of our critical data. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. So, so do you want, for the business owner, do you, should you have your credit card processor on it, you got the you got the network coming into the junction. Should you have that on its own Wi-Fi? So if it if it's a, a wireless credit card device, then yes, absolutely. If it's a hardwired one where it's actually plugged in with a cable, then yes, absolutely. And the, and those two can be the same. The the Wi-Fi network for your credit card devices can be technically the same network as your physical plugged in devices for your credit cards, but um Basically, what, what I think Josh is, is saying is we want to create like a fortress around mm -hmm. that bathroom. And we want to say any of the traffic that's coming to and from those devices in that bathroom is going to be uh, different. It can't touch the other devices. It can't get to um, the other stuff that's on your network. can't see those credit card devices. They're almost like they're not even really there. Like it's a hidden room. Um, so that way it just keeps it much more secure and protected. And that way, if I was a hacker and I got on your, your network, it's going to make it a lot more difficult for me to be able to get to those devices. It's just an extra layer there. And I also uh, heard you mention earlier about um, how, what it looks like when that network comes in. Uh, and it, it's usually going through a firewall. Now, not every firewall is, is capable of, of being able to segment your network. So is there a particular class or a recommended firewall for businesses? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you want to go with like an enterprise level firewall. If if you have, uh, even if you're a small business and, you know, you just have a a basic internet connection coming in with um, a modem that was provided by the internet provider, uh, that is not enough to do what we're talking about here. You're going to have to get um, a little bit heftier of some equipment there with your firewall and with your switch um, in order to allow for what we're talking about with network segmentation. Or if you want to do a Google search on this, it's also called VLANs is what we would implement there, which is virtual LANs, essentially, uh, to be able to kind of branch out that network. Um, Out-of-the-box equipment from your internet provider is the majority of the time not going to be capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, even with this uh, enterprise level firewall, there's still going to have to be some uh, some updates, some firmware updates uh, or antivirus patch and management there. Do you mind elaborating on on what those look like? And yeah, uh, so really, what those comes down to is we want to have a managed firewall, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to just put it somewhere and put it in the closet and just forget about it because at that point it doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Maybe at that point in time it was okay, but there. You know, technology moves pretty quickly. So stuff gets outdated really quick. And so really what it looks like when the firewall becomes uh, out of that box is that all the defaults are going to be removed. We don't want to put that out there with that default information, which is a big mistake a lot of people make because you can really Google default passwords and usernames for most hardware and so, uh, hardware that's out there and be able to get into a lot of them. And so not real secure. So what we do is we actually, we will... uh do a custom uh, configuration when those are installed is the best way to go about that. And then you're uh, continuously monitoring the traffic that's on there and you're also um, setting rules in place. And so usually it's called uh, uh, permit all or deny all. And so we only, we want to deny all permit by exception. And so we want to say no to everything except only the traffic that we need. And that will end up giving us the most secure configuration and as we continue to do that, we want to ensure that our uh, firmware is updated so that we are getting the latest and greatest patches for our firewalls. And so that ensures that we're staying up to date with the latest vulnerabilities that have been detected by a lot of the big names out there um, to just make sure that we're just keeping up with security on our hardware. Because if we have a compromised piece of hardware, especially something as critical as a firewall to our network, that is that is the the, the point that's protecting us from our outside. If we have something that's compromised there, well, then that 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 uh, is a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, <laughs> we're still new to this, Josh. Don't judge us. <laughs> it's it's per- I, yeah, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> so that's a great point. Also, uh, thinking about updates, your credit card devices themselves too. A lot of people don't realize that they they're on the network. They have firmware updates as well. We're talking about unique usernames and passwords um, and default passwords, those out of the box, typically admin admin or admin with no password or whatever to get into them. And your merchant services person probably came in and just set it up and they'll typically leave it as default just because it's easier for them when they have to come in and do any troubleshooting to it. Um, Those are all no no good, no bueno. Um, Getting either your IT provider or the merchant services person to come in regularly and and check on the device and make sure that it's up to date. Uh, You can even go on 
that manufacturer's website and see uh, the latest firmware that's available for it. Keep track of, of it yourself if you want to. Um, but pushing those updates down, that's extremely critical too. So your firewall is helping to prevent things from getting in, but your those credit card transactions when they're being processed, they're going outside. So if, if they don't have the right uh, firmware, or if they have uh, been breached in any kind of way with their software, um, you're going to have those vulnerabilities if you don't provide those updates. And then on top of that, having the default username and password for it uh, is just extremely easy to get in if someone were to get on that network. And Josh, in your in your uh, experience, I know you deal a lot with uh, compliance. Uh, you, you got an example of, of, of one where a company got hit? No. You know, and additionally with, uh, you know, the, the antivirus or the patch management on firewalls, you know, a really important component is that we can't forget about is patch management for devices on our network. Hmm. So, you know, that's what our users are sitting at every day are their, their local computers. And so if those computers are out of date and they're not up to date with patches and the, um, If they're not up to date with the most recent patches, we can look at uh, uh, multiple uh, multiple exploits uh, from zero day attacks to um, just being able to compromise, uh, you know, drivers and stuff on those computers, right? And so, if that's that's a, a easy tool that um, hold on, I want to think of a better way to say that. Um, So along with uh, ensuring patch management on our firewalls is going to be ensuring patch management within our organization's network. So that involves uh, printers, that involves uh, uh, computers, that involves tablets, anything that has the ability to be patched with a more up-to-date version of what is on there needs to be done. That ends up um, narrowing our attack surface by removing those vulnerable pieces of software from our environment. Um, so it's best to get on a, a good patching schedule and ensuring that the patching is getting done regularly and that we have somebody that's in place. And I know Castle does a really great job of implementing a patch management uh, uh, system because it's a lot of work. It, it just really is. Um, it's, it's a ton of work to stay on top of your patches and not only just to patch your system, but to ensure patching gets done appropriately and correctly because applied in the wrong way, it can have a, it can be a detriment to your system and actually uh, do a lot of negative impacts there. And so that that's kind of an additional layer. And on top of that would be ensuring that we have antivirus. So ensuring that we have an, uh, an antivirus or an AV um, on the devices on our network is, is going to be paramount because, again, that is one of those points of uh, of our our employees within our organization are always at their computer and they're always – um, manipulating either going outside of our network or receiving mail inbound and outbound. So these are key targets for attacks. So antivirus can actually do a lot by preventing these types of known uh, attacks and um, go a long way in help preventing um, some, some of the most basic attacks you see out there. If you're interested in what kind of antivirus to use, we discussed that in our last podcast on episode two. Bang, bang. That's great information, Josh. Uh, Kate, uh, do you have an example 
of uh, one of these, uh, like, like a compromised firewall or so? So I do actually um, have a couple, but one in particular local company, won't name names, very large law firm, um, kind of scary actually in the area. And uh, this is a long time ago, but their IT provider um, decided, so Josh had mentioned before the allow and deny in your firewall rules and that kind of thing. So we basically want to give um, only outbound access for what's needed, no inbound access if we can help it, uh, which is basically opening ports in your firewall. Um, the, their current IT provider that they had at the time, which they no longer have, decided that it was a lot easier to reach their server on site if they opened the remote desktop port on their firewalls. That way they would, this particular IT technician would be able to remote into this uh, company's main server with all of their client uh, litigation files from anywhere in, in the world on the internet. And on, it didn't take, yep. And this company, it, I will give them this, so they did have a, a pretty long password for their uh, domain controller and that their file server that had this information. However, they were using just administrator as the uh, domain admin username, which we recommend changing. Um, and it didn't take it didn't take very long for someone to get in there, crack that open, and that client got ransomware, of course. Mm -hmm. And their <laughs> the IT provider also was not checking and confirming that their backups were being done. Wow. Yikes. And they lost a lot of data, a lot of data. And um, I'm actually surprised that this IT company is still around considering how many lawyers are at that office and did not sue them for it, surprisingly. But um, they luckily, and we don't typically recommend paying for the ransom ever, but they this IT company gave it a shot, paid the ransom, and they got the uh, decryption key and got some of the data back for this client. So kind of scary story really want to vet your the people that are doing things on your network it's kind of hard if you don't you know you don't know what you don't know and i don't i should have said that before um i could take it on that okay cool i also have a personal example if we want to talk about so josh mentioned skimmers earlier and i got a call last night at like 8 30 after going to target my debit card I put my pin in twice wasn't working and I was like I know I have money in this account and it's only ten dollars so I definitely know I have money in this Please, account I know my overdraft will cover this it's fine <laughs> everything is fine uh and I I called and they were like did you make this transaction at Starbucks I was like that was me did you do this two days later also at Starbucks I was like yeah that was me and they're like okay well did you try to buy a computer online from this website for eight hundred dollars, I was like, absolutely not. They they went to a mini mart. They went and bought some wine. They went and did some kind of bill pay thing. They did all of these things, and this is literally the fourth time in the last year that my card has gotten compromised. One of my cards has been compromised, and I think I'm like a magnet for skimmers. <laughs> I think I just naturally the, I'm 
attracted to them and always go up to one that has a skimmer. So beware of skimmers. If you don't know what they are, I learned all of the tips and tricks on YouTube on how to check and see if there's a skimmer at the gas pump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, make sure, you know, tug on the little thing real quick. Make sure where you put your card in. If it pops off real easy, it's not a good sign. Yes. Look for the tamper tape. If the tamper tape bro is broken, do not go to that pump. Go to another one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it could be just a lazy uh, technician didn't put a piece of tape back on. But just in case, I'm I'm paranoid. So yeah, if I see that kind of stuff, I I'm good. I'll go to the next one. Yeah, yeah. As 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 IT professionals, we we want to we want to eradicate the mindset of it'll never happen to me. And that's that's the reason why we have the podcast. That's the reason why we're doing so many things to educate people because we want you to be secure secure your business secure your data um now with that in, that ransomware yeah they got the decryption key but did that company actually turn over all of their information no they did not they did not and they have that information now mm -hmm. so there's kind of two parts to that luckily uh this particular business had cybersecurity insurance which we're going to touch on in just a few minutes but um though it ended up working out but it definitely was not an ideal situation, and it all could have been prevented by not having that port open on their firewall. Mm -hmm. And then I know a lot of the times we see is they may get that information back, but that will not prevent those attackers from releasing that information anyway. So not only did they ransomware your stuff, they got paid for it, mm -hmm. and now they released it anyway. And so you may have been able to continue your operation without losing that data, but now you have to save face and you had a, a big impact to your company's reputation because yep. now that data is out there and there's nothing you can do about that. And, and this is why PCI compliance is so important. So the next part we're going to cover is, 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 is the why, like we're covering here now, because your reputation is damaged. You lose money, you lose data. Uh, and, you know, hey, they could come back around and what was it? Uh, was it Target, I believe it was? where they had got them long before, they got the data long before they actually went and released the information. So th these are things that you want to uh, be very well aware of. And, and the first thing when we go into the reasons why, uh, number one is because you don't know what you're, uh, well, you should know. Because there are certain compliances that are already uh, mandated or implemented dependent upon uh, the nature of your business. And, and so one thing that can come out of those compliance is logging or auditing. Correct. I know you ain't leave me like that. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, uh, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier in our conversation, right? It's that mm -hmm. non-repudiation aspect, and it's it's so... Now, now could, could you explain uh, non-repudiation? So, that's... Non-repudiation is saying if something was performed on our computer, on our network, and a name was associated, I couldn't come back later and say, no, that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. Or an action was performed, I couldn't say, no, that wasn't me. And the reason I can say that is because I can go, look, when I'm looking at these logs, it had Josh Brown, and in that log it said you performed this action. And the reason I can say that was definitely you because you've been identified, 
And when you logged into your computer or your device, you had to put in a password that only you were supposed to know. And if we're doing stuff appropriately, we had a multi-factor authentication in, in place to where I've confirmed that it is you pretty well, you know, I, be, beyond a reasonable doubt in my mind, you know. And so, so this is going to having the restricted access and the unique usernames and passwords for your for your credit card process for your PCI compliance. Correct. And, and that's we call that uh, defense in depth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're not relying on one linchpin of security in our organization. We are doing all these different actions, these different security controls so that we can have a, our fortress built. We can get more and more secure. And what we're doing is we're not eliminating getting attacked. We're not eliminating the, 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 the ransomware. And other. We're, what we're doing is we're reducing our risk to be affected if and when it does ever happen. So not only are we reducing the, the possibility of it happening, but when it happens, we are affected less. And hopefully we have our stuff in place to where we can continue down our, our, and perform our business functions without major impact. Now, stuff in place. What, 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 is, what is stuff in place? Is that like, a, like a, a what to do when a breach happens? So, so that's one of the things. So what we do is we, we will implement policies throughout mm-hmm. the organization, right? And the policy is kind of a, it's kind of a dirty word because <laughs> everybody hears policy, right? And they go, oh, their eyes glaze over and they just, they, they already want to walk to the next room, right? And so really what the policy is, is telling you what to do when stuff goes wrong. Because I can tell you, because I've been in the, the position of if ransomware happens, it is not a fun situation to be in. People are kind of panicking at that point, right? And so they're going, what do we do? Who do we get on the horn? Who do we have to notify? That's what is in those policies. So this would be like our incident response policies. If an incident happens, what do we do? And so instead of being a 400-page document, we have the, the, the keys of this is how we handle our incident and get us back to a functioning uh, status as a company. And what that does is it not only uh, gives us a, a repeatable process, you know, that we're hitting all of our compliance requirements, in this case PCI, but we're also um, setting it up to where we're, we're doing our due diligence as a company. And so liability, we're lower. It's because we have all these established processes, procedures in place. We're notifying the entities that we need to notify and we're doing what we can and we're, we're not hiding it. We're owning up to our responsibility of, we did, we know we did everything we could as a company to secure you, but something still happened. So what do we do now? We lessen the, we lessen um, our impact to your organization. We ensure that we do follow up and we mitigate whatever we can and secure it stronger the next time. That's an unfortunate reality, but that's what it is. What is the reality? Because what I'm hearing that you're saying is not that you uh, don't get hacked. It's when it happens. It's definitely when it happens. You know, there's, and I know at Castle, you guys probably have countless stories of customers that came to you after and they said, yep, we've been a victim. Or, hey, my brother, his company got attacked. Or, Hey, we talked to you six months ago and we, we didn't need your services, but something happened. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's, we, I, I see it a lot and that's not my primary target. And I see it a lot. So it, it's out there. And I think, you know, we, when we talk with, with different people, uh, some people don't even know that they've been hacked. And, and, you know, it's, it's not, you know, 
it's common, unfortunately. Uh, you know, when, when you tell me that, hey, my my emails, my incoming emails got redirected to my trash folder. Th- there has been a hack that has happened. Definitely. It's just like if a burglar is going to come and try to get in your home, they're going to kind of scope things out first. They're going to start looking for your patterns and your routines and seeing when you leave for work and seeing when you come home and when you go out of town if something looks unusual. It's the same kind of thing. Hackers get on your network. They sit there and they wait. They try to gather as much information mm-hmm. as possible. So that way, they, when they strike, they strike hard. They get the most bang for their buck. Yeah, that's where that reconnaissance pays off, right? They, mm-hmm. that's part of yep. that's part of their attack mo, right? And so they they don't want to hit it when everybody's home. That's that's not exactly. great. So they're gonna hit you. They're gonna hit you when they know you're not there on a holiday at an off hour because they know that the response isn't gonna be as great. And as you go back um, to to our listeners, as you go back and, and and listen to this podcast, we went over the steps from restricting access, unique you know, usernames and passwords, network segmentation. The, what what are the hardware and software best practices to reduce, 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 reduce the risk of of getting breached. Uh, and, and, and particularly in this in this episode, from from a standpoint of PCI compliance, and we went over what 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 the breach policy is for when an incident occurs. Having these documents, having these policies in place, so you know you as a business owner, your managers, your your other employees, they know what the proper steps are in response. And then we go into another spot that we we we've, we've mentioned it, but we haven't dove into it about the uh, cybersecurity insurance, where this comes to protect you as a business owner. You know, so cybersecurity insurance has evolved rapidly within the last couple of years. Um, It used to be kind of a, it it was a rider on your insurance. It was a checkbox and say, sure, we have it. And it was kind of an afterthought. Within the last, I want to say it's about three years, I've seen it go from a checkbox (laughs) to its own beast as far as mm-hmm. insurance goes and before where there used to be a, a couple of questionnaires a qu- couple of questions on the questionnaire for your for your cyber insurance now i'm seeing three and four page questionnaires that are very very detailed um and so not only are they doing that pretty recently um in, in uh court it was established that a, a major carrier for cybersecurity insurance did not pay out in the event of a breach and what had happened was they went back and audited the security uh, security controls that the organization said they had in place and determined they were not. And so they actually fraudulently uh, filled out those applications mm-hmm. and denied their claim for, for insurance. And so, you know, th- that's one monster part of it is the, they are starting to get serious in what cybersecurity insurance looks like, you know. And additionally, with that, uh part of uh, securing our supply chain. There's a lot of smaller companies now. You used mm-hmm. to see this from larger, big organizations to secure in the uh, supply chain, which means they would ask organization B, hey, you want to work with us? Sure. Fill this document out. We want to see how secure you are. Yeah. Normally that would come from the big guys. I've seen that come from five-man shops. Little mom-and-pop organizations are putting out cybersecurity vendor questionnaires. And so the the fact that all these different uh, instances and in, in those supply chain uh, risk assessments and in, in those questionnaires, they're asking about cybersecurity liability insurance or cyber liability insurance, right? And 
it's it's not becoming a hey it would be great if you had it. it's like no you're required to have it and these are the numbers you are required to have based on your organization's size and so just with that i've seen it become a you know from just a great thing to have to a requirement within an organization because it's become a such a risk to not only your organization but those that you work with that you need to have insurance that's a really great point. Uh, just like getting a life insurance policy, you're required to go and get a bunch of blood work done. You have to go and get vetted by your doctor. Same kind of thing. If if you are a business owner and you are applying for cybersecurity insurance and you don't know the answers on the questionnaire, you're not sure, please reach out to someone uh, to come and audit that for you and make sure that uh, you are answering it correctly because uh, Josh is right. As, Insurance companies love to look for loopholes and things that they can do to not have to make that payout. And if you're not sure and you check the box and then something happens or when something happens, uh, you may not have the protection that you thought that you had. This is, I mean... This is such great information, and, and, and once again to the listeners, as you're listening to this, I know some of this stuff can, can seem to be uh, overwhelming at times, but that's the reason why there are uh, experts or, or companies like Castle Technology Partners, like uh, B3 Cyber, who are here to make sure that, that we educate you and equip you with the tools that you need for securing your castle securing your business. Um, and, and, and even, you know, if you have questions about cyber liability insurance, you know, reach out, we can get you to the right experts uh, that will sit down with you and educate you on cyber liability insurance uh, for your business. Um, looping, looping back in real quick with PCI compliance, uh, typically with cybersecurity insurance policies, if you are processing credit card uh, payments and transactions, you will have to go through PCI compliance mm -hmm. or you should go through right. PCI compliance uh, audit to make sure that you are following these steps and that you have the right uh, network segmentation in place and the right um, access in place and that you're having the right firewall. So it, it does kind of go hand in hand with having that double check there, but it is typically a requirement for cybersecurity insurance to have those compliance mm -hmm. audits done so we thank you all for joining us here on technology and tangents today uh our conversation was on pci compliance and and all the aspects of it and we hope that the information that we gave out to you today was received very well and we look forward for you to join us on our next episode once again have a great day And we'd like to give uh, a special thank you uh, to Josh Bruton uh, with B3 Cyber, who uh, joined us here today on the Technology and Tangents podcast. Uh, we do look forward to continuing our business relationship, and hopefully you'll be swinging back through uh, down the line for uh, another podcast with us. We also want to... Uh, 
We also want to invite everyone, if you would, to to please visit our website at www.castletechnologypartners.com. Uh, 